This is Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for November 11th, 2012. The Gospel is taken from the book of Mark, chapter 12, verses 38 through 44. The message is by Father Ron Baird. This morning's Gospel lesson, we have an interesting juxtaposition of, of two separate groups. One is the scribes who um, are the people in the temple and in the synagogues who make copies of the scriptures. And so uh, it's not just a sort of secretarial position. It's um, more like the medieval monks when they would um, write the gospels and things that you had to be religious to do that. And so it's actually a very um, religious thing. And they tend to be people who are um, educated and in the particulars of the uh, Mosaic law and, and know a lot about how things are supposed to be done. And they do a lot in the religious services. So Jesus says, beware of them. It says, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and say long prayers. <laughs> Don't you hate it when he does that? I mean, <laughs> Thanks, George. I needed that. <laughs> and he says, beware of them because they devour widows' homes. Now, do you think if you went up to a scribe and said, do you really devour widows' homes? They would say, sure, we do it all the time. I mean, <laughs> they would say, what is he talking about? We don't devour widows' homes. Well, how did they do it then? What, what was Jesus saying? Well, what he was saying was that they would put such heavy burdens on everyday people that they really weren't able to make ends meet with it. Because there were all these requirements under the law about how things had to be done and what kinds of offerings had to be made and what those things cost. And while they were less for poorer people than they were for richer people, um, if you were very poor, that didn't make a whole lot of difference. I mean, that was very difficult. And so what he, he's talking about is that they don't really care about those people. As long as, you know, that they, their idea of righteousness is being fulfilled, then they will, you know, fulfill it to the max and they'll wear their long robes and talk their flowery talk and do all these things. While if somebody dies as a result, then that's their problem. They don't care. And one of the things that they did was that they required offerings from everyone to the treasury. Now, the treasury is like what we would call the collection. <laughs> um, and so everyone had to give. And they, they required a minimum of 10%. I don't know if you all know, do you know the biblical standard of giving, the, 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 the tithes, 10% is the minimum amount? It's not the maximum, it's the minimum. <laughs> it's at the bottom. And so they would require that of people. And Jesus said, beware of them. Because although they're, they're saying the right words, they miss the whole spirit of it. They, they aren't doing it from their heart. They're doing it for all the wrong reasons. It is quite possible to do all the right things for all the wrong reasons. And so you have to juxtapose that to this widow because immediately Jesus goes over and he sits down right across from where the treasury is. Now, the treasury is, is like a big box that they had where people, as they came in, would drop their coins in to collect. They didn't pass the thing around. They had a, a central place where it was. And so he was sitting there watching, and this widow comes up, this poor old woman. Now, 
in our day, widow has a different connotation than it did in those days. Widow in those days meant that you were a, a woman who had been married but had no family to support her and no husband to support her. Which by and large meant that unless your husband had left you very wealthy for some reason, you were in trouble. Um, because you really had no way to make a living. There was only one real um, occupation for women in those days, and most people didn't consider that reputable work. And so what was the widow to do? Well, she scraped by as best she could. If she could manage to get a chicken, or if she had a chicken, she would take eggs and sell them to people. And, you know, they just basically, they did menial work just to get whatever anybody would give them, basically, to try to survive, to etch out a living. Because there was no one, you know, everything was founded on this idea of extended family. And so widows and orphans, when you hear that term, always refers to those people who don't have that extended family to help them. And they're all alone. So this widow comes, and it, he, it says that she puts... Two um, pennies is the way we usually translate. What it really means is two pieces of a coin. Now, in those days, the, the value of the coin wasn't really the way we do it with, um, you know, we, we say it's worth one cent, for instance. Do you want to know a penny is actually worth more than a penny? Uh, well, they don't put much copper in it either, but, uh, but it costs more than that to make a penny. So, I mean, we, we assign value to things. They didn't do it that way. They measured the weight of the copper and the purity of the, of the metal. And so what people frequently would do is if they, if they couldn't get that much, they would just, you know, like if you had a, a copper coin, but what you were going to give somebody for a, an egg wasn't that much, you would take it and you'd chop it up and give them a little sliver of it because it could be weighed and that would be, what it was worth. So what it's really saying is that, that she took two pieces of a copper coin and dropped it in there. Now, in all likelihood, in today's dollars, that would be worth about 50 cents. And Jesus said, do you see that woman? She has given far more than all these other people because people had been coming by and some of them were dropping in gold coins, some were dropping in silver coins, you know, they were dropping in all kinds. Some people were very wealthy and put in a, a bag of coins. Um, and this widow just put in little, two tiny little slivers. And he said, because everybody else there gave out of their abundance, but she gave out of her poverty because she gave out everything that she had. Everything that she had. And so you have this contrast between the scribes who are telling people what they ought to give and this widow who comes along and gives away everything. And it's an interesting thing because Jesus has done this immediately after telling them, beware of those guys because they devour widows' houses. And a widow comes along and gives away everything. You know, everything that she owned could be summed up in those two pieces so what's Jesus trying to say about that? Well, he's trying to point out the difference in the way that we see things. What he's saying is that it's quite possible to be very religious and to know all the rules and, and all that sort of stuff and go through the motions and do the things, but, but really not have any faith. Because that's what he's talking about, about when we give out of our abundance. When we give out of our abundance, we aren't showing any faith. It's relatively easy to give what you aren't, what you don't have to have, isn't it? 
Well, maybe not. But <laughs> I mean, it's easier to give out of what we have. You know, it's much easier to give out of what we have left over than it is to give it if it's going to mean that we have to sacrifice something or if we can't pay our bills. And on the other hand, here's a poor widow who can't really even eat without that, who gives everything. Now, why would she do that? Do you ever wonder that? Why is she giving it? We're not told, by the way, so there's not a right answer. Jesus never says. She's a little crazy. She expects God will provide. She believes His promises. A lot of people said she did because it was a. They talked said she did because that's what they told her she was supposed to do. Some people said, well, maybe she was hoping God was going to help her win the lottery or something, you know, to get rich. And it's interesting. We do invest in things for all kinds of reasons, don't we? The only thing we really know about the woman is that what comes clear on it is that she does not believe that her ability to make a living provide, can provide her with a life. She has surrendered all that. And she believes that everything that she is and everything that she had is ultimately dependent on God alone. And so what difference does it make? If I have nothing, then I have to depend on God. If I have this much, well, that's not going to get me far. I still have to depend on God. That's one of the reasons, by the way, why Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Because if you have nothing, it's much easier to give it up. I mean, what am I losing? But when you have lots, it gets much harder. Now, the people who came and gave out of their abundance, what kind of motives do you think they had? Again, there's no right answer because they don't say what their motives are. We can only surmise. Show off might be some people. But if they really jingled the bag before they put in, everybody look. <laughs> Yeah, make them feel good about themselves or tell other people I did my part. If they thought that was the right thing to do. There are, there are all kinds of reasons they could be doing it. Ultimately, and they might even be giving so that they could have more. You know, that, that happens too. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons, but there's one thing that we do know about where they are with it is that they aren't willing to give so much that they then become dependent on God to provide. They're going to make sure that they can still get by before they do it. So it's kind of like hedging your bets. You know, I'll help God out, but just in case. <laughs> and, and so the difference between these two groups and the amount of faith, the amount of trust that they show is huge, isn't it? So what is it that Jesus wants us to know out of this? Well, you know, it, it's a hard lesson for people because you mentioned the word tithing and, and most Anglicans either have their eyes glaze over or they, you know, start daydreaming or go, here he goes again, you know, we're going to get no sermon about money. And, so, and, and to some extent, you're right. Because for far too long, the church has used that as a weapon against people. We need money, and so what we do is we hit you over the head with thou shalt. And I'm going to tell you a dirty little secret. 
God doesn't need your money. There is no bank of heaven. You can't give enough that God needs it. Believe it or not, God could accomplish everything he wants to accomplish if none of us gave anything. So why in the world does he set this 10% thing up in Scripture? What's such a big deal about 10%? Well, the 10% isn't because other people need it. It's not even so that because there might be people who are hurting who need that money. And God wants you to help them. That's not why he wants you to give the 10%. The reason why God wants you to give the 10% is for you. It doesn't have anything to do with other people. It has to do with you. Because in our lives, it is very, very hard to be totally dependent on God, particularly in America. If there was ever a rich man not getting through the, you know, not getting into heaven, but in a camel's passing through the eye of a needle, America would have to be the epitome of it. Because we're the pinnacle of wealth that the world's ever known, even in the midst of a, a difficult economy. You know, I can guarantee you, if you went to Liberia tomorrow and told them all the financial woes that you have, they would be looking at you like you were crazy. <laughs> so, are you nuts? You know, I tell you what, I'll go over there and worry about your credit card. You live in my dirt hut. <laughs> I mean, let's do that. That's a good deal. And yet, we get so worried about all these things. Because the truth is, is that what God knows is that it becomes easier for the possessions to own us than it is for us to own them. Now, the other dirty little secret is that when God said that you should give the first 10%, of what you get to him. He didn't say, and if you can find anywhere in Scripture where he said this, I'd like to see it, because believe me, I'd, I'd put it on a campaign poster. He did not say, thou shalt give a minimum of 10% to the church. Nowhere. What did he say? Give it to God. Give it to God. Now, I realize that there are a lot of us who wear the fine robes and like to preach long sermons and, and pray long prayers that like to confuse ourselves with God. Um, but the truth is, is that we're not God. And, and giving it to the church is not necessarily the same thing as giving it to God. It might be. I mean, I would hope that any church would be doing something that God wanted to have done. Um, but it's not necessarily the same thing. The tithing that we do really is not about what we do to support the church. It's really what we do to support our own spiritual well-being. And that giving can be to lots of different things because it's going to be to whatever God tells you to give it to. You know, and, and I often tell people, I never know what God tells people to give to things. I mean, for all I know, God's telling you to support your deadbeat brother-in-law because your sister and your nephews and nieces will starve without it. You know, and if that's what God's saying you ought to do with that, then that's what you ought to do with it. You know, who am I to come in and say, oh, no, 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 you got to give to the church first, then you give to your deadbeat brother-in-law. I mean, that, that makes sense, wouldn't it? You know, I know better than him. And when we begin to, to look at life that way, that we can somehow or other judge what other people ought to be giving, then we've caught been caught in the same trap that Jesus was talking about when he said, beware of the scribes. Because we've begun to confuse ourselves with God. 
The truth is, is that tithing is very important for you. Matter of fact, it's, it's, it's ultimately important for you. Your life depends on it. What percentage do you think of the American population gives away 10% of their wealth to, to things, anything? Well, <laughs> anything that God might want, let me put it that way. <laughs> to what God wants. Do you know it's under 2%? Under 2%. Isn't that amazing? Now, if you went to churches, what do you think the percentage would be? 30. Overall, it is about between 3 and 4. If you go to fundamentalist churches, you know what it is? It goes up to about 5, yeah. That's about it. And it's really amazing that the church is constantly teaching about this. And I'm not talking about giving to church. I'm talking about giving it to support things and surveys. Why don't they do it? Why don't we do it? Well, it's obvious why we don't do it. Because if we did it, how would we pay our bills? Right? And the problem with it is, is that the minute you get into that, have you noticed that the more bills you get, the harder it is to get rid of them? They're like rabbits. They multiply. It's amazing. They just keep showing up, you know. And you have to wonder. It reminds me of Fred Flintstone. I saw a, a TV show when I was a kid of Fred Flintstone who went to the future to where George Jetson lived. And he went around. He thought this was great because all you had to, ever had to do is when you went to a restaurant, was sign a piece of paper and you didn't have to pay for anything. He didn't want any money or anything. So he thought that was wonderful until the day that somebody came to his door and wouldn't know why he wasn't paying his bill uh, that he'd been signing for all that time. He said, well, they didn't want any money. He just wanted my signature. But now they want to pay up. If you've ever had a credit card, you know what that's like. <laughs> that They come back and they want you to pay up. That's what happens to us is that we begin to be owned by our own prosperity. And what's frightening about it is that we begin to believe that we can provide for our own security. That somehow or other we can provide our own ability to be self-sustaining. And we cannot. It's a lie. None of us could. That all of us, sooner or later, are going to come to that place where we have to be dependent. And that's the worst thing. That can happen to us, isn't it? Some of you know my father-in-law had a stroke last week. And he's doing well, by the way. It was a minor stroke. And he uh, didn't have any speech affected and his mind's fine. He um, didn't even get a weakness. But his um, spatial judgment is off. So that when he reaches for something, um, he doesn't necessarily reach where he thinks he's reaching. Because his body, his brain thinks his body's in a different place than it is. So, like, if you ask him to touch his nose, he might do, he can't quite get there. Now, the good news is that that's pretty curable. I mean, it, your brain retrains itself. 